Hey there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five tenets of journalism, who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode 23, where we talk to Sapphire. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, so Sapphire, uh, who are you? I'm Sapphire. <laughs> That's uh, kind of easy. Um, I'm a girl. I use she pronouns, I guess. Um, I guess the simple answer is I would be bi, but I'm more interested in the connection versus somebody else's gender or how they identify. So mm-hmm. I really don't care that much. Okay. About that. So, yeah. Is there a way that you identify as far as polyamory is concerned? Um, no, because to me, polyamory is a new word. Oh, okay. Uh, I we, I've been we I've been with my husband for eighteen years, and we just have an open relationship. So we just considered ourselves open, and then not that long ago, when I was looking around for groups and other things online i found the word and went oh yeah that kind of works <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i would just kind of use that so uh what drew you to polyamory or what? to having an open relationship maybe is a more appropriate question for you um monogamy really wasn't working it just didn't feel right it just didn't seem like it was this natural thing to do and um we're both chemical engineers so we're all about the facts and the statistics and <laughs> laying everything out in a million different ways and figuring out all the different options and then going from there. And, you know, depending on which website you use, the divorce rate is 50 to 70 percent. How, how is this supposedly working? Right. If yeah, that's w- a very high failure rate. Right. Mm-hmm. And in any other anything, if you had a failure rate of 50 percent, you wouldn't do it. True. Yeah. So why, why, why this? Mm -hmm. How does that work? And um, he was not raised in a church, but I was raised Baptist. And so everybody came from God, right? Well, then how come God only made one species monogamous? Like that, that. Oh, that's a really interesting (laughs) question. (laughs) Like that. Sometimes these church things break down in logic <laughs> you're like wait a minute here mm-hmm. what it, you know if you have the same creator and everything's most of the things are all the same why is it just us like shouldn't it be something else shouldn't most things be that way you know so it just the older i got the more you look into it the less sense it made to just be monogamous and even if you look it up you know the Bible always says you um, you leave your father and mother and join your wife and they're one flesh. It never said forever. Interesting. And and then it and then like the very next line is love each other as Christ loves the church. Christ loves everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so why can't we love everybody like that? It just all of it just never really made sense so those were some of the same kinds of rules that had me start really questioning religious 
mm-hmm. regulation when I was growing up too. Like, okay, you know, don't kill people, don't steal from people, be good to your parents. Like these rules kind of made sense, and don't have sex. Like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where does this fit in here? And it just, I couldn't find, like, I couldn't find a way to wrap my brain around that piece in the context of all these other things that seemed much more like, oh yeah, those are good rules that you need for society. And don't have sex does not seem like a good rule that you need for society. Especially when everything else has sex. Right. (laughs) When nature is surrounding you literally at every part and moment of your life. And and, yeah, none of it's monogamous and all of it is having sex. Why are we different? Right. That Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. Fair. So... So what does polyamory mean to you? It means being able to be true to yourself and being able to explore other options. But, you know, there's no jealousy. There's no secrecy. There's no, I can go out on a date and come home and tell my husband all about it. And he goes out on his date and he comes home and tells me all about it. And and it's just that much more open. There's no secrecy. There's no hiding. There's no, you know. Sneaking around. There's no sneaking around. There's no mistress. It's the other woman. There's no anything else. So it's just a more honest way of being because that's just better. It feels better than to have, then the other person isn't the other person or the homewrecker or all those horrible words that don't really make sense. Mm -hmm. So it's just a way of being honest and being true to you, who you really are, essentially. So what do you find difficult, if anything, about polyamory or about having an open marriage? Um, just being open about it and letting other people know. We were in a situation before where absolutely nobody could know anything. And we didn't tell anybody. And even now that everything has changed and we're not going to lose our jobs or our house or anything else. Um, it's still very quiet and hush hush. And you still, we still don't tell our friends. Like mm. the only people that know are the people that we go to the poly social groups with mm. and, or the poly meetings with or anything else, but we're not telling anybody outside that group. Like nobody mm. else outside knows. So that part is hard. I don't have HBO. So I wanted to watch, um, the last episode of Game of Thrones. And a friend of mine goes, oh, I have HBO. I have it on demand. You can come over and watch it. And this other girl overheard was like, you can't do that. You're married. And I'm like, <laughs> no. I am pretty sure there was no monogamy <laughs> commitment to only watching HBO with your spouse. <laughs> uh, I, I know. I'm like, no, really? It's not a euphemism for anything. I'm really just going to go watch this show. And I'll be home in like an hour. It's like no big deal. And she just flew off the handle about how my husband was going to be so pissed off. And I'm like... I'm pretty sure he's at my friend's house right now doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, whenever people do that, I'm always I I'm always worried for their relationship. I'm like, what's right? happening at your house right now that like you are have so so much fear, especially for other people and other people's well being. Mm-hmm. Like, w- you know, what fear are you pl- like? Do you have for your own well being when it comes to 
going out and having fun with friends, going out and and you now you're not allowed to have friends of an opposite sex or of a different gender than you. Like that's so sad. And it does really seem very like mm-hmm. they're speaking out of an experience of a high level of other people controlling their choices mm-hmm. in a way that does not seem very healthy. Yeah. yeah, it was really I just kinda looked at her and went, No, really it's okay and she was just not okay. I think it also has something to do with that that like um if other people are like happy and free and then and you don't get that freedom mm-hmm. there's that jealousy or that like envy and maybe it's totally subconscious but that makes a lot of people angry they're like oh i i don't get that why should she get that and i don't get that and it's like well everyone can what the fuck like <laughs> you, everyone gets to and be it's happy a little emotionally more safe maybe to be mad at you right than to look at her own life and question Yes. Her mm-hmm. choices and her circumstances. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, I went out to dinner with another friend who was totally just a friend. And he was like, well, what happens if we run into one of your friends? Like, <laughs> we say hello. We say hi. <laughs> we keep eating. I mean, I'm not sure what the problem is here because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't get it. We just went out for a beer and dinner and that was it like i don't i don't understand why is this a problem i mean if you want i can put my husband on speakerphone for you will that make you feel better and was this a male friend yes i mean because it you don't read as straight and so it's weird to me that these men would be having this like reaction or that people would be having this reaction to you having friendships that are with men like mm-hmm. it seems like that if they're going to be concerned about what you're doing, it seems like it ought to be broader. <laughs> I mean, I don't know you well, but that, just like in terms true. of a basic like, right, right. read of you. Right. Yeah. And being an engineer in a factory in a plant situation, I've always been around all men all the time. There's been many cases where I've been days and never even saw another girl. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and so... Most of my friends are guys, and mm-hmm. it's really not a problem, right. at least not for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was still married to my ex-wife, um, I would hear sometimes like other moms in mm-hmm. you know our school communities talking about how they would not be okay with their husbands, you know, becoming friends with other moms in the group. Mm-hmm. But there was like a clear oh, but not you. Mm-hmm. So like there's sort of like a weird lesbian exceptionalism, except like they were just reading me. They weren't, you know, it was not mm-hmm. an accurate read of me anymore than this is an accurate read of you. Mm-hmm. But it's just such a weird thing that people have. Like oh, well, obviously there's no such thing as people who are queer or bi or mm-hmm. pan or mm-hmm. whatever, and you know everybody fits into these nice neat boxes. And as long as you know if your box is aligned, that's dangerous. If your boxes are disaligned, well then that's fine. Like what? Although I have also found that if someone has finds out I'm bi, I'm like a double threat, right? Like <laughs> because if I'm bi, I must be like over sexual. So I'm going to try to steal their husband, right? And I'm like Or them. Or or maybe or try to hit on them. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Either way. Uh, I'm but not yeah, sure. it's a double threat. <laughs> right. And to yeah. be fair, I, I don't know that I was out as bi in those mm-hmm. contexts because I was in a monogamous marriage. It mm-hmm. was just a monogamous marriage to another woman. So people made the assumptions they made in that context. But yeah, it's just so weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just the whole idea that you can't be friends with people based on their gender or your gender. Yeah. And it's so ridiculous. 
there there were points in my life when I didn't actually have any girl friends. Like there were no females in my life other than my sister, which totally doesn't count. <laughs> don't tell her that though. <laughs> it doesn't count in this context. Nobody's right. gonna make assumptions about you and your sister. <laughs> True, please don't. In fact, <laughs> if you're out with a, a a girlfriend, they might just assume that's your sister. I know my friends mm-hmm. um, are constantly people are asking them if they're sister. They they look nothing alike. They are engaged, and you know, like one has very dark hair, one has very light hair. They don't look anything alike, and yet. Constantly, they're like, oh, you guys must be sisters because they're out, because they're hanging out together, because they're with each other all the time. No, they're dating. They're together. (laughs) One time when I was in law school, I went out to the grocery store with my roommate and her girlfriend, and the clerk asked us if we were triplets. Like, no. Don't even look alike. No. That's ridiculous. I went to a book fair in Chicago with a friend of mine from my writing group, and everybody thought we were together. And no. No, mm-mm, nope. Like, well, you two would really like to write these books, and she's like, but I don't like any of those books because she, you know, she's very, she reads very conservative, very happy, make me feel good books. Oh. And, you know, that's just the kind of books that she likes to read. Sure, and which is fine. And all the vendors were kept trying to steer her towards the lesbian books, and, and she's just like, what? Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't want to read that. <laughs> when did you know you were poly? You said this is pretty new, right, for well, you guys? Um, to call it poly has been pretty new. Um, we've had an open relationship for about eight years where it was truly open because we were experimenting with other things prior to that to try to figure out what was going to work for us and mm-hmm. what wasn't going to work for us and everything. So to have we call friends, um, and explore that way. It's been about eight years. Um, I don't know. I don't know when we knew it was just more of, Hey, let's try this. Oh yeah, this works. <laughs> Versus when we tried that, that didn't work. Sure. And then just try to figure it out. Then, um, not having read the books, not having dove into the internet exclusively or whatever, we were just trying to figure stuff out. We didn't really have the vocabulary for it. You know, yeah. we, we were just mm-hmm. figuring out what worked. And then, oh, by the way, other people call this poly. Oh, good for you. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe we can then communicate with people to oh, find what we want a little easier. Right. <laughs> now that we have the vocabulary, it makes it so much easier because we just knew what worked for us and what we wanted. So mm. it wasn't, there wasn't really a hey, guess what? I just discovered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that must mm-hmm. have been a really interesting journey, too. Like you said, you've been together for 18 years, so mm-hmm. monogamously for a pretty long stretch of time. Mm-hmm. Like, how did how did that evolve? Um, <laughs> it, well, we met at work, and we were working 12, 16-hour days, and then we went home to each other. So we were <sighs> constantly together, always. And we knew all the same people. We hung out with, you know, all the same guys. Mm-hmm. My husband is straight. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just, so it was kind of a, we have to do something not together. <laughs> Fair, yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
Uh, he started golfing. I joined the soccer team. We just, and then you're just like, okay, but th- th- it's kind of okay, but it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> but we need kind of more, and so you just slowly worked it out. Hey, I'm really interested in this, or hey, I'm really interested in that, and just kind of. We never really had fights about it. We never really got emotional about it. We just never, you know, just say he goes well. I'm going to go out to dinner with this girl. Okay. And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, all right. Yeah, no big deal. Tell me how the food is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then you're like, okay, well, I hey, I met this guy. And just kind of worked on it from there and just kept going from there. And, you know, again, without really a vocabulary, it was just basically what was actually going on because there was no definitions of anything, so... That makes it, sense. It was a it was a interesting journey. When did you first feel different, or do you? Um, I I really never really felt different per se. I knew I liked girls in a different way than other girls liked girls. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but none of the girls I knew liked the girls the same way I did. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of went, okay, well, I'm just, you know, everybody's got something that they're not telling everybody else. So mm-hmm. it's no big deal. And um, and it doesn't really matter because you're supposed to marry a guy anyway. And you're, this is the way it's supposed to be. And who cares? Right. And then um, it was actually after I was married, I was reading this book and this girl had a soft-legged lover. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Another, they were, she was married and she was getting back together or she was spending the night with her husband and they were talking about her soft-legged lover, which happened to be another woman. And I thought, that's a very interesting way to put this. Like, I don't, like, that was weird. And so we were talking about it and I think my husband was just like, okay, you're really interested in this? It's okay. You can explore this. It, like, it's all right. You don't, don't hold yourself back because of me if this is what you're interested in. I just kind of, so I kind of really lucked out in the fact that he was just like, yeah, sure. Right. Mm-hmm. But then again, what guy doesn't want two women? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there is that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't really that I felt different. It was just, Yeah, I distinctly, I have this memory of me in, I think it was like third grade, pretty young, and all of the kids were coloring, and I was actually at like an after-school program through the Salvation Army, so it was religious-based, but my family wasn't religious, it was just the after-school program that worked, you Mm -hmm. know, and um, they were all doing little like uh, drawing hearts and then putting their initials plus like their crush's initials, and they were just drawing them. And, and I was doing it too. And then I asked the girl next to me, like, well, what are your initials? And she said, whatever, you know? And, and so I put my initials and her initials and I meant it as like a friendship thing. And she looked over and she was like, you can't do that. (laughs) She was so upset about it. And I was like, okay, sorry. I did not mean anything by it. And this is someone who's nine, right? Right. Like maybe eight or nine. So obviously Obviously, I didn't mean anything sexual by it, but I was just like, I like this girl. She seems nice. I'm going to write my name with, um, in a heart uh, with hers. And she was just like, that's not okay. 
Oof. even as and she was the same yeah. age as me. Yeah. So as a, as a nine year old, I was already starting to be like <laughs> shamed for right. liking people maybe differently, maybe the same. It really wasn't. Yeah. For it what definitely appeared wasn't potentially to exactly. have been a romantic yeah. interest. So yeah. yeah. So kids get that message super early. Yeah, yeah they do. And I, I definitely felt different. Then, yeah. And then, like, and growing up, I had a short haircut. That also, like, helps make people kind of, like, put you in a box, right? For Ostracize sure. you. And and then I, I grew my hair out, and I, like, had two feet of hair for, like, almost all of my life because I was like, I don't want people to think I'm weird, you know, or something. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it is funny the things we get attached to are, like, if I do this thing, no one will know. No one will know. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Mm, I'll pass. Yeah. yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So where would you say that you are in your poly or open marriage journey? Um, opening up, getting more friends that we can talk to, discuss things with, hang out with, and that don't freak out if you hold somebody else's hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh no, you held his hand. So we're walking down the street. He's gonna walk in the street, grab his hand, pull him back. You know, well, I don't I don't understand. You know, that do understand that it that you know, you can talk to someone and they're not gonna like freak out that you're stealing them or their husbands or anything else and just basically just coming out and making friends is where we are. There's definitely people in our lives that cannot ever know Mm. but they're no longer close to us so and they don't know what podcast is so i think i'm okay (laughs) (laughs) well yeah so where do you hope to go in your poly journey i hope to make friends um to have more people to communicate with to hang out with to it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual just to be have friends that understand and that are in the same place you are or have the same lifestyle you do mm-hmm. so that it's it's okay to say, hey, guess what? I had this great new date last night. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to go, um, y- y- you're married. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a no-no. No, 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 no. no, no, no. You? Or, you know, you can go people watching and go, wow, she's cute. And not be judged for that. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a big thing. Yeah, basically, you know, I would like to have a community of people to just be open and honest with. Mm-hmm. When people ask about the polysocials and like what they are, oftentimes I'll be like, I, it's really just hanging out. You know, it's it's not anything big. We don't have a big discussion at the social, but you can talk to another person and say my wife and my girlfriend in the same sentence and no one's going to think anything differently of you, right? They mm-hmm. Or they might just be like, oh, they're attached, right? right. <laughs> like, oh, okay, all. you and you yeah. and you and you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah. But you can't do that almost anywhere else or, or not often, right? So mm-hmm. um, I love going to polysocials just for that ability to be like, I can talk freely. I don't have to censor myself, which I feel like we all do. Mm-hmm. all the time you know we're constantly censoring ourselves so yeah uh, i like Absolutely. being able to foster that too <laughs> yeah that's really one of the great things i think both about the socials and about the the discussions somewhat but also like the after the discussions again just like hanging out continuing the conversation mm-hmm. you know the that sense of comfortable community is so valuable yeah. mm-hmm. you know whether anybody 
develops a particularly close friendship or starts dating somebody or not, like almost doesn't even matter just being in the environment of like, it is fine to be who we are here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the big takeaways from the social in January is I got to talk to everybody. Mm, really? (laughs) Well, I tried to talk to as many, but everybody was like mingling around and we were all talking and nobody was like, he's Oh, God. Yeah, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. and no, you know, and they were all, everybody was open. You could just walk up to a group of people and join in the conversation. It was fine. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Or walk away, and they weren't offended that you right. walked yeah. away in the middle of the conversation, you know? Or, yeah. yeah. And that was like, this was just so nice. It was just relaxing. And it's funny when you, you sort of did a physical gesture when you said there's no like he's mine of like kind of like pulling somebody over you and one of the things I love is that I can be like affectionate with mm-hmm. one of my partners who's married to someone else where right. you know we all hang out but when we're all hanging out in an other kinds of contexts the most physical affection might be like our elbows nudging each other <laughs> or, or knees, our knees. Table. yeah exactly yep. knees or feet totally. under the table mm-hmm. but you're trying to be much more discreet and it's so mm-hmm. nice to not feel that need right. you know and not right. like in a possessive way but just in like a happy snuggly kind freedom of way. to do what you want yeah yeah i like that too mm-hmm. um i also think it's funny uh at socials occasionally and this is it's pretty rare but occasionally i'll get a message after a social and be like i didn't talk to anyone because i felt like everyone was talking to each other and there were clicks right which is it's funny to me because we're so not Clickish, like I feel like everyone does that, where mm-hmm. we all talk in a big group, and then people come and go, and people can literally just squeeze themselves into the group and be like, "Hey, I'm I'm here now. I'm going to talk to you guys," <laughs> uh, and that can be kind of um, what's the word like intimidating. It can be intimidating for sure to come into a group where people are socializing with one another as if they n- have known each other forever. But oftentimes, the sh- socials will have like at least a quarter, if not half new people like mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. and so if someone's not prepared to butt into a conversation a little bit or like join in it can be difficult i think yeah. it is challenging if you are an introvert probably yes because sure. it does take that taking the step to go put yourself in the conversation mm-hmm. um you know, and I think there are people in the community who really like being in the role of let me introduce you to around around <laughs> the everybody. Sherpa or whatever, right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the social Sherpa. Yes. Um, but not everybody feels the desire to take that on. And um, if somebody, if, if one of those people doesn't happen to you know notice you and introduce themselves first, then finding that way it takes something. It takes a little bit of courage. Um, mm. I think that if you can do it, if you can take that first step, near everybody is welcoming and friendly and you know you might not find your new best friend but you're gonna find people who are happy to talk to you for 10 minutes yeah at one point uh so the january one that you brought up was our 10-year anniversary uh social so it was a big one right Mm -hmm. we had um over 50 people arrive uh which is pretty big for a social of ours and and there was a new person there who was going around and not only introducing herself to everyone, but then also being like, would you like me to introduce you to everyone else? Because she wanted to remember people's names, right? And so oh, yeah. this was, became a really fun game throughout the night. And my husband, who knows everyone, got there late. And she went up to him and was like, hey, here's my name. Would you like me to introduce you to everyone else? And he was like, 
no and then walked away (laughs) and she was just like oh okay because no one had said no to that point at that point um so I thought that was really funny but he was just like don't need it thank you but no thank you (laughs) I feel kind of bad I don't think I met that person no (laughs) oh no but I I was only there for a little while I I didn't actually meet her but I saw her like doing it bouncing around the room yeah and then I'm like crap I forgot that person's name don't worry she's coming back around (laughs) yeah you know yeah no it was great because then it it became this game of of learning everyone's name and yeah. uh, that was really awesome. Well, and I had brought a new person, and they were not feeling quite that socially <laughs> aggressive. Isn't quite the right word, but maybe socially outgoing, socially sure. mm-hmm. um, interested, something in there. So they were kind of, you know, sitting with a group of people who were somewhat familiar, and it was a little bit more like, okay, we're going to be a little more introvert oriented bubble and that was probably a pretty intense meeting to go to first because it was so big you know but well, and indeed that person has not come back with me oh, to no. other, which is fine i don't i think yeah. it's just not their thing but it was i mean it was a really interesting social and it was cool mm-hmm. to be able to celebrate that we've had this community around for 10 years yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. But yeah, also probably a slightly extra intimidating. Most of our <laughs> socials are not quite that big. They're not quite that packed. And loud. Oh, it was so loud. It was so loud. <laughs> uh, so do you think you have a reason why you are poly? Only that monogamy doesn't work. Sure. Like, as I said, 50% failure rate? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh-uh. I, I can't justify that. And I think that marriage might have a 50% failure rate, but monogamy has like a 90% failure rate only because, and f- failure is relative, right? Like right. what is, what is, ex- what does failure mean? True. But most relationships end. Mm-hmm. Right. Almost all, right? Like you, right. you might end up with a person who you're going to be with until you die. And is that a failure or not? You know, like who knows? Right. right. Um, but most relationships end. If most relationships are monogamous, that means that most monogamous relationships end. <laughs> and if ending means failure, then that means they mostly fail. So I don't know. Well, I wondered too if you maybe <laughs> meant um, there's also a lot of cheating in monogamous cheating. relationships. So they're not really monogamous relationships necessarily. Totally. And That's true. And that almost seems more like a sign of a failure rate than an ending because it's got that kind of dishonest quality to it. Well, the monogamy part did fail right, because exactly. you're no longer monogamous if right. you cheat. Right. Yeah. You well, are then non-monogamous. Yeah, you know, and I was <laughs> I was looking up what the actual marriage divorce rate was and there was this little section that only six percent make it to fifty years. Well, a lot of people die before they've been married sure. for fifty years. That's a long right. time, yeah. But still six percent, of course you'd still have to be married in like your teens, but right. still yeah. And I, honestly, that's not even necessarily a goal. I'm like, no, I don't need to be married for 50 years. What? So I can have that party? Like, pff, who cares? Yeah. By that time, you're so old. Are you having fun anyway? <laughs> yeah. And I got married in, at 30. Like, okay. Like, maybe I'll have a big party when I'm 80. I don't know. Whatever. You can but have a big party when you're 80 just because you're 80. Just because. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You, you can have as many big that. parties as I, you I want do. when you're we 80. We can have lots of parties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. At I that mean, there point, is something I think anything. that's kind of like... Well, 50 years, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I I Mm -hmm. kind of find that a little touching. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but not, again, I'm I'm not going to, there's no chance that I'm going to be married for 50 years. That is a statistical impossibility in my life. So. Yeah. And just because they were married for 50 years doesn't mean they were monogamous for 50 years. Or happy. Like yeah, that's true. um, They could have been Dan Savage talks about his, his grandparents and like. 
you know, one set of grandparents might have gotten a divorce and therefore it was a failure, even though they decided together we're going to get a divorce because we're no longer happy. And then the other set, you know, the woman was in an abusive relationship for, say, 50 years and then commit suicide because she was so unhappy. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that's, so that sounds that like even more of a failure. She yeah. died in the relationship and that was the end of the relationship because that's the ultimate goal, right? You're there until you die. And yet, no, that was not a successful relationship. That's a failed relationship to the point where she thought the only way out was to end her own life. You know, like that's, yeah, that's not success. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, or, you know, if your spouse dies, the number one suspect is you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and in that case, her depression was probably caused mostly by her abusive asshole husband. So that seems he likely. Did it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It was the husband. Right. But then there's not going to be anything except social consequences for that because mm-hmm. you can't really be held accountable for somebody else's suicide. Oh, absolutely not. And, and according to everyone else, they were married for 50 years and at least uh, ostensibly probably happy. Right. So that was a success. Yeah. It's really sad, but it also made me really like question what even is a, failed or a successful relationship it's it's really hard to it's say very that hard to figure that out that. on a mm-hmm. on a just straight up numerical metric yeah yeah there really yeah, is yeah it's true it really has nothing to do with numbers Mm-mm. case why did you agree to be interviewed um mostly to meet people and to have an open and honest conversation about being poly to be able to talk about it you know because mm-hmm. i can't unless it's wednesday <laughs> <laughs> or Friday night. Right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, right. otherwise, yeah, mm-mm, no. Yeah, twice a month is a pretty limited amount of time to have a conversation. That's true. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, because I don't really have anybody else to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. just to be able to get it out there. Yeah. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for agreeing to be interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back. The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all 
all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. All right, and we are back. Uh, So Sapphire, you wanted to talk about long distance relationships today. So are you in one? What is your configuration when it comes to relationships right now? Um, Right now, I currently have two completely different long distance relationships. Uh, One is with my husband, one is with a friend. The long distance relationship with my husband has actually been two different long distance relationships. And that sounds a little bit complicated. Could you please say more about that? <laughs> I will. I will. They, they're both, I mean, they all have their good and their bad points. And so that's fine. We've been married for 16 years. We've been together for 18 years-ish, I think. Um, we met at work. So we worked together all day, every day, came home to each other all day, every day. Um, then we moved to Italy. And mm. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of all day, every day. Mm. Yes. And we, you know, traveled to 22 different countries and were often in places where we were the only two that spoke English. So we had to be always together. And um, it was just... That is a lot of together. Yeah. um, There were times when the only time we weren't together was when we were in the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Yeah, you know, that lasts, what, three minutes? Five (laughs) minutes? How long are you in the bathroom? (laughs) Well, at some point, I would be hiding (laughs) in the bathroom, I think, under those circumstances. But that's just me. Well, it was Italy, and we were drinking wine looking at the Alps. So (laughs) it was kind of okay. Um, Of course, life was life, and um, that ended. And he got a job in Georgia. I had a job in Wisconsin. Um, we were a plane ride apart and it was this surreal thing. It was all of a sudden we weren't together and we didn't know the same people. We didn't have the same restaurants. We had different bosses. We had 10 years or more of being completely and totally together. And then all of a sudden we're in different time zones. Wow, that must have been kind of a system shock. Shock, yeah. It was a total shock. It was, yeah, yeah. I was completely lost, totally lonely, um, totally disoriented. So you had not lived here before. This was, or had you? Um, We had moved to Wisconsin, and we had been here probably maybe two years before... um, he was in Georgia, and I had a job here. Um, so, yeah, it was just weird. We we thought at first, and this was one of our big mistakes, is that it was going to get easier. That we would get used to it, we'd get over it, and that we would figure it out, and it would become okay. 
That never happened. <laughs> um, so it was somehow it was going to get better. It was it was never going to be great, but it would be less excruciating. Nope. Um, didn't have. We had to. We had to learn to communicate in a completely different way. Um, my husband now knows how to use texting, but he didn't then. Well, at the time, smartphones were kind of new, so mm-hmm. texting wasn't an old technology as it is right. now. Um, but we, you couldn't just come home and say, hey, what were your thoughts on that meeting this afternoon? What meeting that afternoon? We were in different meetings. We had different people. Um, you know, hey, I went to dinner with George. Who's George? You know, oh, who's George? What? What is? What does he do? How does he relate? You know, so it's kind of, it was just a totally different way of talking to each other and, you know, different restaurants. You know, I went to this one. Well, I've never been there. That doesn't help me. Thanks a lot. You know. Um, How often did you get to see each other? We saw each other about once a month. Wow. Yeah, for the weekend or whatever. Um, we actually did have to talk about the weather. Because <laughs> I was in Wisconsin and he's in Georgia and now it's February. And I was like, so I lived in Georgia for almost five years and I used to I'm joke so with people sorry. that it's exactly like living in Wisconsin. It's just a different five months out of the year that you really don't want to go outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I would go down there and go, why the hell are you here? This is Horrid. Yeah. We would take my son to the playground at 8 o'clock in the morning because by 9.30 it was too hot to be outside. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it was completely horrible. On the bright side of things, we were both traveling for work. So, you know, the company was going to fly you home, but they didn't care where home was. Mm-hmm. So... We would, instead of going to Wisconsin or Georgia, we flew to Seattle. We flew to Oregon. We did Boston. We did Ireland and Paris. And That's pretty cool. Yeah, New York, New Orleans. I mean, we just, we, well, if we did fly to Savannah, well, we drove to Savannah. But, um, but so when we did get together... We both had apartments with roommates taking care of everything, so we could just go and play and be on vacation and just spend our time together, and it was fine, because we were just on vacation with no worries mm-hmm. every time we were <laughs> together. So that part was good. You flew in, you had a great weekend, or five days, or you know however long it was, and then you had to you know fly back to the real world, which kind of sucked yeah so you know you you fly in you have a great time and then you fly back to 100 hour work weeks and total shit that is the reality of life Mm -hmm. um so how long did you guys have this in operation like this sort of once a month in some exotic location thing um, going on two and a half three years wow yeah yeah and it yeah and it totally sucked like, I, I haven't flown for work in over two years, and I still have mild points. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just got back from Spain, and I flew for, like, half price business class because I still have that many points left. Holy cow. 
Yeah, so traveling for work sucks. Well, and that's a lot of traveling for work. I mean, it's one thing if you're traveling twice a year for work. It's another right. thing if you're traveling twice a month for work or more. Um, I left Wisconsin December 13th. I got back to Wisconsin after Valentine's Day. That is a long time to be traveling for work. Yeah. Or even just mostly traveling for work. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, that's, that's what we were doing. Wow. Yeah. That sounds really challenging. Yeah. yeah. And especially to not even be in the same sort of home base when you are at a home base. Correct. Yeah. So that sucked. Yeah. That seems like that would be very hard on a relationship. It was, um... I mean, you had a really solid base. Yes, and my husband still says, if we hadn't had the solid base, there's no way we could have done any of this. Because he's like, I know no matter what, you're going to be there. And we've been through everything, and you're still going to be there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, but luckily, those jobs ended as well. Okay. So that was fabulous. And we were both in Wisconsin, and we bought a house, and both lost our jobs. <gasps> Yay! That's timing. Yay! Yet again. And um, he found a job back in Michigan, which is where we are originally from. With right, me. you did say Michigan, which is at the beginning of this story, and then much of the story took place with Atlanta as being one of the focal points, but now we're back out of Atlanta. We're back out of Atlanta. We spent about six months together in Wisconsin, and we were just getting used to being together again, and he got a job in Michigan. So, but this time he has a house, I have a house. And we're like, but it's going to be so much better. It's not a three-hour plane ride. It's a three-hour drive. <laughs> so it, it's not like you have to like schedule it so much. I can leave when I you know, get stuff done. I can leave. You can leave. Whatever. It's going to be so much better. Yeah, not. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. Are you still seeing each other just like the once a month? Or have um, you worked that out differently? No, it's, we take turns, so it's like every other week, so it's about 13, 14 days between we see each other, so he will drive one weekend, I will drive another weekend, and it's just working out with our different schedules, mm -hmm. who drives which weekend. Um, I own two businesses, he drives more than I do, because, you know, technically works a 9 to 5 job, even though it's like five to seven job and weekends right. and all that other stuff. But yeah. So we do see each other more. However, now we're at each other's houses. So for one of us, it's the weekend. And for the other one, you're still trying to answer emails and text messages <laughs> and get stuff done. And because it's not your weekend, you're still trying to work and maintain a house and do everything else. So that part is actually harder. Um, it's still just as hard. Three hour plane ride, three hour drive. It doesn't matter. 
Mm-hmm. It's still a different time zone. It's still, you know, everything else is still there. Um, part of it is he's working at the place we both used to work at. So I go, hey, do you remember blah? I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> that was 12 years ago. No, <laughs> I don't remember. And most of the people that I work with have either moved on or retired. So, yeah. No. There sh- seems like there should be commonalities, but there aren't really. Yeah, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that person. But not yeah. not, not really. So we do make it a point to um, talk every day. And another thing we have to make a point to, especially on him, since I'm the one talking... Um, <laughs> is make sure that we can both talk. And it's not just about one person's day. Mm. It's mm-hmm. about everybody's day. And shut up, listen, offer support, but don't try to fix it. Mm-hmm. I'm not, we're not working together. He doesn't get to f- fix what's wrong at my job. I don't get to fix what's wrong at his job. Just let it go. Right. Let them vent. Let them talk through whatever they need to talk through. Yeah. Be supportive. Offer ideas. Don't fix it, which is really hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) To not fix it. Um, So I have a Comet relationship where we have talked about long term trying to see each other more frequently. mm -hmm. Um, Structurally, like we're not going to be in the same location in the next 10 years. Like that's just not a grounded fantasy even. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to kind of hear they no, it still sucks. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. ah, but it seems like it would suck less if it was once a month than it's being like three times a year. But I can see where that would actually kind of both be better and worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have to remember also to talk about the little things. What did you have for dinner? How was traffic? <laughs> you know, um, what do the flowers look like? Are there birds in the yard? He has a family of, I don't know if it's really a family, it's just two does and a baby that sleep in the backyard and whatever. And I have a chipmunk that's trying to make a nest under the siding. And But the really seemingly little things actually really do matter. And... You're not there. He doesn't get to see Chippy. I don't get to see his does. Um, So you do have to describe them. You do have to talk about them to keep that connection and keep going, essentially. So those are the two long-distance relationships I had with my husband, or still have with my husband. Um, My other long-distance relationship was just with a a friend, um, which is totally different again. We met while playing soccer. And so we played soccer every week together, and then we went out for drinks and dinner and and got really close. She's actually the person I went to Spain with last week, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So that, you know, it was great. Um, but we never lived together. So the day-to-day stuff, we never missed because it, it never existed. So that was never a problem. And when I first moved to Italy... We did, we made the agreement that it's okay to leave whatever message you need to on the answering machine. Because at the time there was actual answering machines. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's okay to not call. It's okay to not check in regularly. 
it's it's okay. We're still friends. We're not going to hold it against each other. It's it's perfectly okay um, to do that. And then we do get together about every six weeks or so. We have a bottle of wine and we talk about whatever is right now. You don't have to catch up with what happened in the last six weeks. It's just right now, in the moment, being being with each other and whatever it is we've decided to do or whether it's dinner or movies or hot tubs or boating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, she has her own husband. I have mine. A lot of times we bitch about them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was just kind of, those are my, the different long distance relationships I have. Um, so, I mean, yeah. do you think that it is, I mean, have you had non long distance poly relationships? Yes, when we all lived in the same city, it worked much easier. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. what, yeah, and can you talk a little bit about, like, what's, what's different, what's, um, I mean, obviously, time to reach another person is easier, I assume, in the same city. Yeah, when you're in the same city, it, it is easier. Um, a lot of times, since... Most of the people in our poly relationships were also not open about being poly. And even if they were other couples, we had to be very discreet about it. So being in the same city with everybody else and everybody else that wasn't supposed to know, it was more like, yeah, we'll, like the four of us, we'll all go out to dinner and a movie and then you two will go this way and our two will go this way and we'll just separate different houses. But nothing could be public so the long distance part actually kind of made it easier yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's easier to be in the closet if you're not around each other <laughs> yes it, it did um it was nicer being in the same city because you could call them up like i know it's five o'clock on a friday but hey i can't sit at home tonight Let, let's go do something and then you, you could you know, you yeah. could meet for lunch. You could have a coffee. You could do something. You you know, mm-hmm. you could come over just to, you know, yeah, it's Wednesday night. You want to come over? Yeah, sure. You know, you, you can do that. Right. Versus, that spontaneous kind of. Right. Versus everything has to be planned because it's so far away. So, I mean, I prefer in-town relationships. Do you have any uh, not long distance relationships? I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh yeah, you talked about that a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. Mm, yeah, I got well, Oconomowoc. I guess that's close enough to not be out of town. Yeah, that's pretty close. regional. Yeah, yeah. Not, regional. Yes, it's know. not Milwaukee, but yeah, close enough. It's yeah. not a state away. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Same time zone. Same everything. Only right. takes 20 minutes to get there. It's fine. Yeah. 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 So I do have, I did have that one, but it's not going to go well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Would you say there are, I mean, there are obviously cons, you know, pros and cons of, of long distance relationships, but are there, like, I would think that the main pro of having a long distance relationship is that you get a lot of you time. Do you value like personal and like 
alone time. Some people hate it, right? So I, I understand if you don't, but if you like alone time. It took a long time oh, okay. to get used to being alone because we were together for so long mm -hmm. and so together. Um, but yeah, I really do like my alone time and uh, I always take Thursdays off. And there are times when I'm like, I have nothing planned until Saturday morning. <laughs> do I really want to plan something? Do I want? Or do I just really want to sit here in my pajamas for three days? <laughs> and that sounds that, amazing, actually. <laughs> I know. You're like, oh, how, yeah, hmm. Especially since when I, when I'm out or when I'm at work, I'm, you have to be on, I'm, you know, I own the bar. You have to be entertaining and polite and kind and to everyone, even if they're being assholes. Mm -hmm. And... So sometimes it's it's really nice to go, yeah, no, Netflix. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to sit here and do that. So the pro side is, yes, you do have the alone time and, it's this, and it is what you make it. And, you know, you can stay in your pajamas. You can leave your dirty underwear anywhere you want. And... Uh, nobody cares and nobody's going to yell at you if the milk carton's empty or the refrigerator's open or you slept <laughs> in past noon or, you know, cause those are literally all of the things that I love about being divorced <laughs> and having a split placement. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those crazy things where I, I have that same internal dialogue of like, am I going to dress shower or do any kind of productive anything or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For so, a short period of time when I lived alone, it like even even not having roommates cuz I still I still feel like having roommates you have like some responsibility to say put on pants or something, <laughs> you know, like and maybe, you know, do your dishes, right? Um but, I did once have a roommate who we called the naked dehydrator. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh for a, a very short period of time, I got to live alone, and it was amazing for ex ex exactly those reasons, where you're just like, I can do whatever I want. I'm an adult. This is what an adult does. You know, whatever you want. Um, <laughs> Cake for dinner. Was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Or just stand with the refrigerator door open with a fork. Yeah, <laughs> too. I'm going to eat this, and I'm going to eat that, and, you know, I don't have to heat it up. I don't need a plate. Mm. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so... I mean, so yes, I now enjoy my alone time. And sometimes when like the back-to-back -back weekends or everything else and I don't get it, I'm like, where's my alone time? I don't, mm -hmm. I don't like this. Do you want to do No, I want to stay home. Go away. Mm -hmm. And I don't really want to give up my alone time, um, which is before it would drive me crazy to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I have a whole other list of uh, pros here. Okay. Oh, yeah. What are some more of the pros? Okay, you can sleep in and no one bothers you. <laughs> you can make a mess and clean it up later. There's plenty of time for you and other partners of your life. You have tons of those. Um, this is a, both a pro and a con. You miss experiencing the small stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? So, but also the small shit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, the small stuff, the small shit, the everything else you don't have there. You're not cleaning up anybody else's mess. I do have something to look forward to every two weeks. Yeah. Um, 
the relationship is more than just a physical one. You do have to talk. You do have to share. You are, you know, he's going to buy flowers. He's going to the nursery to buy flowers with me for the garden this weekend. He would never do that before. <laughs> but, you know, it's more than a physical relationship. Now there's things that we have to, that we do together. Um, you do, I think this doesn't really apply to us, because but you do in a long distance relationship learn to trust each other in new ways um we already had that trust before it became long distance so um and in a lot of ways it does make your connections stronger since you do have to work that much harder at it so i can actually really get that like the my comment partner and i have been writing back and forth in google documents mm -hmm. and um there's definitely a way in which there's some things that are easier to say when you're not watching the person's facial expression to see how, like how they're reacting to the thing mm -hmm. and uh, that sort of asynchronous communication can really be very intimate mm -hmm. um, and are you watching them type sometimes yes sometimes oh, no so when we're funny. both online <laughs> at like 10, 11 o'clock at night, we usually are actually watching each other typing back That's and forth. That's really funny. But most of it is asynchronous. Yeah. Uh, but since early April, we have written back and forth a total of more than 200,000 words. <laughs> and we're both like, oh my God. That's like, it feels novels. incredibly wow. intimate. Like, yeah. just that yeah, level you, of communication. You got a novel and the sequel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I did. So we saw each other in mid-May, mm -hmm. and I declared the that the end of book one. <laughs> 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 that works. That works. So we're in book two now. Awesome. It's also nice. I, I never really thought about it. Uh, chatting through a Google document that you could share with one another. I, I chat on, you know, through text or through uh, even Google Talk at Hangouts and whatnot. But that is, you're literally writing a chronicle that you can go back and be like, oh, remember on page 53 or whatever. You know, like <laughs> My therapist was, was like, you guys should just lightly edit it and make it a book. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a modern romance. Like, I think he would probably actually hate that, but maybe Fair. it's a fun idea. Mm -hmm. I'll have to... See what he thinks. Some parts just like totally blacked out, like a, yeah. a government document. Well, we would Ooh, clearly have to change the names and <laughs> locations and whatnot to mm -hmm. protect the to protect the innocent <laughs> and the guilty. Because um, I mean, we do share a lot of the day to day stuff in there too, and you know, right. you don't want to have like kids and you know mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Like we would want to have that be. Yeah, we'd need a like a decoding sheet to <laughs> keep track of who's you know. Right. What's the code name for this person? What's the code name for that location? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think any time I've had a long-distance relationship, I've also had a, um, what I guess you could call a primary. Like, uh -huh. so it's interesting, your long-distance relationship is essentially your primary, right? If you yes. if you want to use hierarchical terms. Yeah. Um, like, wait a minute, Lindsay's using hierarchical <laughs> terms? <laughs> well, to make it easier, right? Like, yeah. because, um, yeah, when my ex and I... Uh, he was my primary, and back then we were using hierarchical terms. And then he moved to Minneapolis, which is only six hours away, but that's still quite a while. And um, I was pretty poor at the time, so it was like, let's get a $5 ticket on Badger Bus or Drive, which is also kind of expensive. Um, and maybe once a month we got to see each other. Uh, 
And because of that, my relationship with my now husband evolved from a secondary relationship to the primary relationship because, mm-hmm. um, and just using that word as like a, he was now closer. I lived with him. I, uh, was able to see him on a regular basis. Whereas my other partner was six hours away. I got to see him once a month. We talked a lot via text, but didn't get to see each other all that often. And even then it was like, you know, one weekend a month and we would always kind of argue about who gets to, who's going to come here or who's going to go there. Um, and every time I went there, which is, it was just a weird, I think, I don't know, the universe trying to tell me something, right? Something horrible happened. Like my car broke down my, um, this like really beautiful vintage dress I was going to wear to a party that he invited me to the zipper ripped out and I had nothing but pajamas left. And I was like, well, what are we going to do? Like (laughs) we ran to Macy's and got something really quick, but, uh, like it was, there were so many things that just happened and were, random and of course uh, I attributed them to like well it's because I went to (laughs) it's because I went to Minneapolis and and horrible shit happens when I go to Minneapolis but um I kept like resenting going there because it was like a hassle and something bad was gonna happen and uh and it was I was poor and so I was just like I don't want to do this anymore and I think that that obviously is gonna affect a relationship and probably for the negative and he was going to law school, so he couldn't come to Milwaukee whenever he wanted because that was also really hard to do. So the relationship, I think it lasted a year being long distance. We were already together for six years, but one year long distance. And then it was like, this is really not working out. Yeah. Um, and then well, I, bought I think a all house. those things yeah. also sort of contribute to feeling resentful. And there's nothing mm-hmm. that's going to kill a relationship faster than resentment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and there were other things at play, tons of other things at play. Um, I bought a house with Rob, and he was like, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, feel, I have some strong feelings about that. I don't think I like that you're buying a house with another person, right? Because he was, he was, like, I think, mourning the loss of, having, of being the primary. And because he also, I think, uh, had a lot of hierarchical tendencies, that loss was, was a big deal to him. And for me, it wasn't. Um, I'm like, I think I've always been a little bit more relationship anarchy. So I was like, it doesn't matter. I just have two primaries, whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Who cares about labels? Uh, but because I was buying the house, it was like, no, now this is serious. And you're being serious with them. And I have a problem with that. And I was like, well, this is a great uh, opportunity for us to break up then. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just not be together. So yeah, it, uh, it kind of fizzled out in that way. And then we had to put an abrupt end to it because I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to deal with this anymore. (laughs) I'm already like feeling shitty about it. Might as well not deal with any more further resentment and hard feelings and and trying to make something work that just wasn't working. Um, So I know that like long distance relationships can be really, really stressful. And I can't even imagine trying to start one now. Like, starting one that's starting as long distance. And I hear that happening all the time. I'm like, but why? Like, I know that you can, you know, have a relationship, start a relationship, and then it becomes long distance and you try to make that work. But starting one long distance, I, I, I was interesting if I, I was interested in either of your relationships were started that way or if they became that way. But it seems like both of them kind um, of became long distance. Mine all became long distance. My husband currently has two long distance ones um one of them 
has started started long distance, um, and I don't really know that much about that relationship. Oh, it's his. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, and they they met via Twitter, and because th- apparently they're both political, you know, junkies, and that's what they talk about all the time. And I'm so glad he doesn't have to do it with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, so he did start a long-distance relationship that way, um, but I really don't know that much about it. And maybe it makes it easier, because then you don't have to change. It's just, well, that's the dynamic from the get-go. I would, it's hard to say whether my comet relationship counts as starting long-distance or not, but I would say it mostly does. It restarted long-distance, Yeah, distance, it restarted right? yeah. long-distance, <laughs> and it had been not a romantic relationship for a very, very long time, many years. Um, that it was all long. I mean, we haven't lived in the same place in decades. Mm-hmm. So it definitely restarted long distance. And there's things about it that suck because it would really be nice to have that opportunity to just spend time together and that physical closeness. Um, but also there are things about it. Like I think both of us have found that Google Doc thing to be incredibly... Um, it, it develops intimacy in a way that I don't know that we could have if we were doing all face-to-face communication because right. it gives you the opportunity to say things that are scary to say mm-hmm. where you can think about what you're... Like, we both have, like, a separate draft Google document. <laughs> so if we're some, working on something that we're not really sure about, we'll work it out on our own That's why document. I asked if you were watching yeah. each other type because I was like, that's scary to me because I is, edit myself a lot. Yeah, yeah it's that's funny. Both. So yeah. the more intimate things, I think, for both of us, sometimes we're like, I can't quite figure out how to say what I'm trying to say. I'm going to go work on that and, you know... I'll get you, I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) But that sharing of those things that can be scary to say or scary to own that you want or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever kinds of things. Like, I don't know that either of us would have been able to say a a lot of those things if we were trying to pack them into real life time together. I don't think we would have. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. having that time and that space has actually been, that part has been wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, here's my list of cons. You do miss each other, and you're lonely. Miscommunication becomes a bigger problem faster. Sure. Because you, you're just apart. Um, you do miss experiencing the small stuff together. It could be good or bad. Both ways that one works. Um, you have to maintain two addresses and two places and two lawns and two houses mm-hmm. and two of everything and, like, two gallons of milk and you know and so um come home to an empty house which can be hard um it's everything is on you whatever happens it's on you and there's nobody else is going to take out the garbage nobody Mm -hmm. else is going to get your car fixed or you know so you're alone in that point um jealousy issues I don't understand jealousy, but some people have jealousy issues. Um, There is a lack of physical, because they are so far apart. Um, And you can actually just start drifting apart, because you're not there, you're not sharing stuff, and so life drifts apart. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I listen to too many um, 
true crime podcasts. <laughs> and um, so I, I kind of always prefer someone to be in the house. Uh, yeah. You know, just like. I so wondered where you were going with that. <laughs> you no, know, I just, I'm, I'm constantly like, I mean, we live in the exact neighborhood that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer grew up in, right? Like, <laughs> he grew up in Milwaukee, uh, in my neighborhood. I did and, not know that. Yep, yep. Yeah. Learn uh, something new every day. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, Wisconsin isn't without its uh, <laughs> creepy, potentially serial murderers. And so, and even though it's a very nice neighborhood, doesn't matter. Uh, so, but you could say that yeah. about all yeah. neighborhoods. Right. Could you happen can. anywhere. You, can. you, can. you just Absolutely. have a particular vivid image to <laughs> yes. share right. here. But. Yes. So, um, so I think about that sometimes. If uh, if Rob is on a date or sleepover at someone else's house and I'm home alone, it does kind of like. Luckily, I have I have two cats, so like if I hear something downstairs, I'm like, it's the cat. Probably, it's most likely the cat. I also live in a tiny house. I can hear literally everything in every room in this house, which As is good and bad. Some of the cat meows that we you may have heard on the podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, there's listeners. a couple. Uh, and but every there's also hardwood floors throughout the entire house. Every single step that anyone were to take in the house, I would hear. But it, it that has made it kind of creepy to be alone. And so I I sometimes think about like. Yes, I love my alone time. Yes, I like to kind of recharge on my own. And, and I get to binge watch, you know, romantic comedies on Netflix without anyone being like, this is stupid. And I'm like, I don't care. I can do what I want. But <laughs> and nobody talks through them either. Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, that's really fun. And I like to do that. But then when it comes to being like midnight and me going to bed, I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather someone be here. That would be nice. But but that's my own doing because I'm paranoid about murder. Well, I mean, everybody likes their <laughs> things that they like or has the things that they don't like. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's your flavor. Right. Next on my list was struggle specific to long distance relationships and how to make them work. I don't know if these are really struggles, just things that help. And I did look some of them up on the internet and realized, oh, yeah, I didn't know we were actually doing that, but we do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yay for good instincts. Yay, right? Um, set clear expectations. You know, no, and uh, be honest. What's working? What isn't working? Are you abandoned? Jealous? Lonely? Desperate? Nervous? Whatever. Just be honest about it and and talk about it. Set up a timeline. How long are you going to be in this long-distance relationship? And then is it worth it? Is the reason you're in a long-distance relationship still valid? Um, You know, he went to find work because neither one of Mm -hmm. us had a job, and now we have a mortgage. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. So High motivation for um, dealing with the long-distance issue for a while. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, well, how long are we going to deal with this long-distance relationship? And I actually have the countdown on my phone. Oh, so there is an end date? Yeah, well... Or at least a serious revaluation probable end date? Right, yes. So out of the five years, he has three years and seven days to figure it out. (laughs) Okay, so you set a maximum of five years when you were thinking about this. I think that makes so much sense. I think for any kind of really stressful sort of life change, kind of figuring out like how long are we going to try this experiment or how long Mm -hmm. am I willing to put up with this circumstance is like 
the outer limit and when are we going to reevaluate it? And I, I feel like that's really important to do. Yeah. And, you know, he keeps going, I want to come home. Well, we had, then come home. Right. Mm-hmm. Find a job, come home early. Yeah. Find, find a job, come home early. But, you know, that's, that's the end date. Right. At that point. So. Yeah. Like I have a crazy custody situation and we set it up like, okay, this is necessary right now. Mm-hmm. We'll plan on it taking two years. And then we will reevaluate and figure out if it still needs to be this crazy or if we can make some changes. Right. Exactly. And Uh, you figure out for yourself, like you guys, five years, I'm like, oh my God, five years. But like that worked for you, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm sure there are people who look at my placement situation with the kids and are like, oh my God, you're crazy. And they're right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's what like we figured out we could live with as a trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and there's so many people who do that year and a day thing where you, instead of having a, a marriage ceremony where you're just saying, I'm married to you, now the contract is we're married, and it's forever, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, they will make, like, a, a verbal contract, or maybe a written one, I don't know, to be like, I'm going to be with you and in this relationship for a year, and in a year and a day, we will like renegotiate our terms essentially and be like, Hey, is this still working? Do we want to continue this relationship the same or differently? Or, you know, what's a a check-in. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's common for like hand fasting ceremonies Mm -hmm. and things like that. And that year and a day, um, in that year and a day, you can also then renew the contract for another year and continue Mm -hmm. doing that. Right. Um, and I really love that. And Rob and I have done that for the past well, I guess now about six or seven years, because I don't think we did it in the very beginning. But um, I like having that kind of timeline that you can be like, well, this is, it is short term, right? Mm -hmm. Three years in the whole scheme of things or five years isn't a crazy amount of time. But you can still kind of check in and and be like, hey, is this... (laughs) is this still what we want? Is this still like the, mm-hmm. the trajectory? And what are we doing to get to the point where in three years, things might be different. Right. Um, so that's nice. So you expect, hopefully by that time, he will be able to come back and you won't be long distance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hoping to retire in that amount of time. Oh, nice. Wow. wow. So the big thing is you now have three years to get back to Wisconsin and figure out what you're going to do. Cause mm-hmm. you're, he was funny. He goes, so when I retire, how many days a week do I have to work? And I looked at him and went, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> like, what? No, you have to do all of them. I mean, and there's a lot of good statistical information that if you don't continue working or continue engaging in something, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's early Alzheimer's and all mm-hmm. kinds of other like kind of high risk things. Like I don't know that you necessarily have to keep working full time or, you know, having like the day job, but the, you, you can't just do not check out. Yeah, exactly. So he is that. Um, and we do have a designated time that we always talk at seven o'clock every night. Nice. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's an hour, but we always talk at seven o'clock every night. So that is, you know, if I'm at the bar, I'm like, I gotta go. I'll be, I'll be back in ten minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and whatever. So we, or if I'm home or whatever, it doesn't matter. But that's essentially his bedtime. So um, <laughs> he gets 
what's up at 5 a.m.? Yeah. No, that's reasonable. <laughs> it's just funny. It, it is. And it, there's still the time zone thing. Yes. So. Yes. So, yeah, it's it's funny. Um, know each other's schedule. So, you know, we know, I know when he's working. He knows when I'm working. We know when we're home. We know when we're out. So, it's not expecting a phone call or getting a phone call when it's a really bad time. Mm-hmm. Or knowing that if you do, it's because it's a really urgent thing. Right. Yeah. So that's um, that. Um, the figuring out how to be alone, pamper yourself, chocolate, wine, music, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. takes. Right. Netflix binging. Yes, exactly. Um, stay positive. Hi. Hi. We have another guest. Hi. She did not like long distance relationships where we were on a different floor. <laughs> that is... Some, everyone's definition of long distance is a little bit different. That's yes. true. When you're two, it's very short. Right. Out of sight is long distance. Finish up the last couple of minutes with that here. Absolutely. So what you were giving advice and talking about other things that are self-care to survive long distance. Um, yeah. Write down your feelings. Start a journal. Even if you're not going to share those, you still have to get your feelings out and they're still real still still write them down still get them out still do all that um spend time with as many friends as possible because alone time is great too much is not good so do that (laughs) all communication is not created equal (laughs) (laughs) would you like to elaborate on that (laughs) well i mean there's there's talking there's facetime there's texting there's a million ways to communicate but depending on your relationship different communication styles different communication methods mean more like you know i can text him funny memes all day that doesn't mean i've actually shared anything but or you know we can facetime and See, look what I did. I repainted the living room. And he goes, ah. But, um, <laughs> not your house. <laughs> you can come back in three years yeah, and paint it again. Years. Right. Uh, hey, he's got his house. Most guys have a cave. He's got an entire house. Mm-hmm. So he can paint it whatever color he wants, which is now beige. Um, <laughs> uh, and I painted the living room red. But, yeah, whatever. It's a good thing he has his own house. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, remember that you're not alone. Lots of people have long-distance relationships, and it works a lot of the time. It doesn't work all the time, but no relationship work o- works all the time. So it's not necessarily the distance that's the problem. So, and then when you do have time together, make it matter. Make it worth it. Do something special. Do, you know... So that you can enjoy each other's company and said, yeah, last weekend we got together and we did this or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was about all I had. I think that finding what communications medium works for you or what mm-hmm. media work for you is really important advice because it's not going to be the same for everybody. Mm-mm. Yeah. And my husband can never do Google documents. He doesn't like typing. Yeah, that wouldn't work for him. No, it would. It wouldn't work for him. Um, but FaceTiming and talking on the phone, he can do that all day long. That's not a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, I got really used to um, the art of emojis by mm-hmm. uh, because it's you can you know you can type I'm fine and right. that to, to a different person might mean 
I hate you with the fire of a thousand suns, right? No, right. I'm fine. <laughs> or it can mean, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, I'm in a hurry. I can't really talk right now. I'm, I'm fine. It's mm-hmm. fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so I really got used to putting emoji at the end of everything, even if it was an angry emoji. <laughs> right, right. Fine. You know, right. fine with a period at the end. Angry face. Or, or um, oftentimes I would put, you know, like a smiley face or a happy whatever emoji after texts to make sure that person knew, you know, no hard feelings. Uh, there isn't, this isn't a sarcastic message or something like that, you know, um, and just kind of like reassure my partner that like, we're good. One I'm of fine. the rare things that is not good about Google Docs is uh, it does not support emojis. Oh, so sure. there's a heart emoji will appear if you less than three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. like you are limited to ASCII art versions of emojis. So we are <laughs> right. back in our old school mm-hmm. semicolon parentheses. Mm-hmm. Um, Nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, which fortunately we're old, so we speak ASCII art emoji, but it would be nice to have some of the cute, colorful ones. Like, I can't really come up with a good laughing emoji out of that. Like, nothing looks right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things where emojis have actually really become much nicer than ASCII art, and I can see why the internet moved in that direction. Yes. Right. Colon, uh, capital D, is, is big smile. Oh yeah, we do that one too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's laughing that's really um, nothing has come to me to be a good, clear substitute for a laughing emoji. I used to do capital X and D because then it was like you're laughing yeah. so hard your eyes are closed. Yeah. But that just looks like you're looking. You're talking about something like an like some initials X D right. card or something. Right. Like exactly. That. Right. And it kind of feels also like, wait, is that the dead eyes? And <laughs> yes, like, oh, yes. I don't want to do, I don't want there to be any ambiguity about that. Mm-hmm. So mostly lol and ha 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 are what we're stuck with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's Google all. does consider lol a sentence, and so it capitalizes the first L. <laughs> all right. Well, is there the anything else antsy. that yeah. you want to say about long distance relationships and poly? Mm-hmm. Or long distance relationships and not poly? No. no. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. Sure. And thank you also, <laughs> our fourth guest, for coming in and walking around and making the end of the podcast all the more exciting and interesting. We have some toddler science happening going on here. It's very cute. Water might or might not be involved. Hi. Glares and sobs might or might not be involved. It's her podcast. It is now. Can you say bye-bye? Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, so that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller. And Katie Williams. We'd like to thank my husband, Rob, for helping us through our many sound issues and thank myself for editing the podcast so we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. We will forever be grateful for any contribution you can manage to making this podcast better and more efficient. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.